Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Night Football. And this is our Champions League Roundup episode. I was going to do one to yesterday, but I figured we'll just do them together because uh, it hasn't. It has been a very. It hasn't been a very exciting uh, Champions League group stage. They usually aren't, but uh, it's been. Uh, from, in most cases, there are a few groups that are interesting, but in most cases, I think it's it's mostly. Uh, an open and shut case, but we'll go through a few results from today and a few results from yesterday, and uh, we'll also take a quick look at uh, next week's games. So we'll try to see where things stand. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Uh, as far as that is concerned, so let's get right into it. Let's get with today's game, the big game today: Real Madrid against uh, Inter Milan, and a two-nil win for Real Madrid over Milan. I mean, it almost was, it felt like men against boys, really. I mean, for most of the game, uh, the first goal. The penalty it was a clear penalty. Uh, Barea showing his inexperience with that tackle on Nacho. Um, it was a clear penalty, and then it took it, and it just—I mean, that actually that penalty wasn't very good by the Mazar. I think the goalkeeper should have saved it, but he didn't. But that's fine. Uh, but after that, it just seemed like Inter lost their nerve. It just looked like they had no answers or no ideas what to do. Uh, and Madrid looked very good defensively. I had to say that Madrid looked very good defensively. They looked like the Madrid of last season, where they looked calm, they looked composed. They look totally uh, uh, solid defensively, totally organized, and uh, Inter just had no answers to break them down. And then that red card happened, which I have no idea. I mean, what Vidal was thinking, because fair enough, if he thinks it's a penalty, you go. And, and this is something that happens a lot in European football. I've noticed that players try to hound the referee, and referees generally they deal with it. They don't, they're not so strict about it. But and the referee was English, Anthony Taylor is English, so he was probably not used to that and probably didn't like it. And so he was like, you know, fair enough, here you go, here's the yellow card. And Vidal, I, I, again, I don't know what he was reacting to. It was like, you know, and he just went up against the ref and then, you know, you get a second yellow. So deserve red card. I don't think he can have any complaints about the second yellow. He can't have any complaints of the first one either, to be honest, because, you know, you don't, you don't go and gang up on the referee. Although a few players could have got yellows uh, in that situation. Maybe that's what Vidal was saying was, why do you give me a yellow, you know, give, me, give it to one of my teammates. But no, I'm kidding. I don't know. But uh, I mean, yeah, it was just a red card. And then it was just a matter of Real keeping the ball, making sure they didn't lose their shape, making sure they, uh, you know, kept Lukaku quiet, which they did, and got that second goal. It was a nice cross from uh, Vasquez on that second goal. Really beautiful, really good movement. Rodrigo finishing it off uh, with another goal for himself. And uh, I would say that was game over. Uh, I think a few positives for Madrid. Uh, the, you know, Hazard's performance was pretty good. Odegaard looked good, pretty good for the little bit of time that he played. I think Nacho and Varane looked a lot more solid than I think Eder and Varane did in the City game that we saw last season. So I don't know, maybe maybe that's that's a problem for Eder Militao when he comes back and to think about how he's going to fit in the team. But uh, it was a good performance defensively. I think Carvajal and Mendy were pretty good as well. I mean, Mendy, there was that one moment he had in the first half where he could have taken a goal, but instead he opted to cross it. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking there, honestly, but he could have actually had a goal. Uh, he looked pretty good as well. I think overall... Madrid looks solid. I don't think this is a performance that's going to make anyone go, oh, you know, this Real Madrid are now in the competition or favourites to win the competition. I don't think they are. But it was functional, solid performance and it gives them the win that they needed from this game because this was a must-win game for both teams and for Madrid to pick it up, it's definitely, definitely a vital win. Uh, from Inter's perspective, I mean, this is what you expect from Inter. Don't you? you expect them to blow hot and cold. They had a comeback win against Torino. Uh, and I, I don't know what it is with Conte in Europe, but he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't understand that he needs to diversify his tactics, that he needs to try something, that he needs to do something different to what he's been doing in Europe because it's clearly not working. Serie A does not translate into Europe, but you know, it's, it's still 
it's been years now. This has been happening since his Juventus days. So he's got to he's got to come up with something and look at it differently. But at the moment, uh, it's not looking good for Inter Milan. I thought uh, Lukaku was pretty bad. I was pretty anonymous today. Not bad. I wouldn't say he was bad. I think he can he can criticize any of the Inter players because once you go down to ten men. Uh, you really can't. There's not a lot as a striker that he can do. So I don't think he was bad. That's harsh to say. But he was anonymous today, and this has happened with Lukaku. And people keep saying Lukaku is this great scoring record across England and Italy. And I always say, in England, you've got five or four or five big teams, right? The big four, big big five, big six that they call it. Uh, and when you're playing in Italy, you don't have that. You probably have one, maybe two big teams. I mean, you have pretty much Juventus are the only real. Top tier team. There now this season you've got maybe Napoli, Atlanta, Milan, but or Lazio as well. But I mean, usually it's just Juventus and then Inter. Inter probably the only uh, probably the second team after Juventus. You could say that. I know some people will disagree, but that's that's just my opinion. Where you see, so you only are looking. You're looking at 18 other teams that are there. Well, Lukaku. Lukaku is a good player when you want to score against you know mid-table teams, lower-table teams. He's very good at that. He'll always get you goals against those kind of teams. And in England, you don't have those many. You know, you don't have as many of those teams as you have in Italy. Where I think beyond the Juventus, there really aren't that many top-tier teams. Uh, again, maybe this season is different. I feel this season is different because Juventus's levels have dropped, rather than the fact that the other teams have uh, improved. The other teams have also improved, but I think Juventus's level have dropped. But uh, you know, he's always going to get you goals against those kind of teams. So he, you know, against in Serie he's got 18 other teams to do that. His goals numbers are always obviously going to be better. But uh, at the end of the day, they didn't win any trophies last season, and uh, they're not. Uh, you know, they don't look like. It's, it's the same with Lukaku. He, he was in the Champions League last season. He didn't do much in the Champions League. Until, uh, Inter went out uh, in the group stages. They're going to do that probably again this season, and um, and that's just that's just Lukaku. I mean, you 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 know, you never. He's never going to be that top 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 striker that you're going to rely on to get you goals in the biggest of games and the biggest of moments he's not the striker who's going to get you those goals he's not he's, he's a 25 30 goal a season striker he can get you those goals he'll pad his stats he'll get his numbers but in those decisive moments those really important moments he's not the player man for that that's again just my opinion personal opinion uh, feel free to disagree with me and uh, let me know that I'm wrong or that I'm talking bollocks but that's fine and uh, i mean that that's just on that i think um, as it stands now Inter not only in danger of going out of the group stages, they're in, in danger of not being in Europe, actually, uh, completely by the time we get into the next year. Because at the moment, they're on two points. Uh, Mönchengladbach, Mönchengladbach, they're on a top with the eight points and six points clear. Now, there's still an opportunity. If Inter can beat Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar, they'll go level with Mönchengladbach. And if Madrid beat, you know, that's assuming Madrid beat them as well and they beat Shakhtar. So that's what Inter are going to be hoping for. Um, I don't, yeah, I think that's just what it is now. Inter need a pretty much, uh, they need uh, they need to beat both Shakhtar and Mönchengladbach, and then they hope that Madrid will beat uh, Mönchengladbach. That's that's what they need. Uh, I don't think it really matters much what happens in the Madrid-Shakhtar game because um, yeah, they only get to seven points in that case. So uh, that the, those the, that is the important game. Those are the important games now for Inter. It's it's looking bleak. It's looking slim. And to be honest, I. It's difficult to see them going through, to be honest. They shouldn't be going through in this group, to be honest. They should be. But um, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what happens in the next round. There's, there's still a chance. And the, the way things are, they might very well sneak through because Inter are very good at that. Inter are very good at that, making you believe. Inter are good at making you believe that they're great and then proving that they're crap. But then they also, and then and then making you believe that they're crap and then prove, and then showing, you know what, no, we're actually pretty good. So you just never know what you get with Inter Milan. You just never know. So there's still opportunity as long as there's opportunity. Uh, there, there is, there is hope, and that will be, that'll be what, um, 
while Inter will be looking at going into the next round of fixtures. Uh, elsewhere, Liverpool uh, lost to Atlanta 2-0, and um, I don't think it's a result that does much. It does make it a little bit interesting because Ajax beat uh, Michelin, so now it's nine points for Liverpool, seven for Ajax, seven for Atlanta. So if Ajax can somehow beat Liverpool next week, won't happen, may not happen, won't happen, but if they do, then that becomes 10 points uh, for, for Ajax, and you would expect Atlanta to be at Michelin, so then it's 10 points each, and then you're looking at Liverpool potentially being third, but the issue then is that Liverpool play Michelin, which is a free hit, and they'll win that one, so you, they're going to get to 12 points, so realistically, uh, 12 points, and then, yeah, you're pretty much looking at Ajax or Atlanta, so even, even if they lose the next game, uh, which it won't happen, but even if they do, or if they don't, if they don't win it, it's, it's still a pretty comfortable uh, ride. It's going to be comfortable enough for them to go through. And, uh, you know, that's just the way the group stages are panning out. It's, it's just all panning out in, in favor of the big clubs. Uh, group A, by the way, that's the interesting one. Bayern, Munich are now qualified, and they're not, to no one's surprise, and they're actually going to finish top as well because they've got 12 points. The next closest challengers are Atletico Madrid, who for some reason just want to make life difficult for themselves. And... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with Atletico. You know, they can look so sublime like they looked that they did against Barcelona where they picked up a nice 1-0 win and then they go and they play Lokomotiv Moscow, you know, at, at the Wanda Metropolitano and they pick up a 0-0 draw. And that's the issue. That's the issue for Diego Simeone that he's got to sort out. Inconsistency is a massive, massive problem for Atletico Madrid. And I don't know what the issue is. Maybe it's the squad depth. Maybe it's the rotation. But something that's, you know, it's been affecting them this season. I and mean, they've only got one win so far in the Champions League. It's just the fact that the level is so low in that group that they're still second. But uh, they, they, they intend on making life difficult for themselves. They've got a game against Bayern to come. Now, that's going to be important. They've got a game against Bayern to come, uh, which is going to be tricky. And uh, Lokomotiv are going to play Red Bull Salzburg in that other game. So if they win that, then it, you know, and since Atletico have already played Lokomotiv, um, you're looking at it, it being difficult. Plus, particularly Bayern can probably now go invest their first teamers. They've already qualified in their top, so they've got nothing, nothing else left to play for in those uh, next two games. So they'll probably give their second stringers a chance. And so we'll have to see what happens in those games. But um, and again, they beat Olympiacos 1 0. Uh, Porto also won their game against Marseille. Marseille, uh, they look like they're not even going to make the Europa League uh, this time. That's that they've got a big header uh, against uh, Olympiacos for that one. But uh, it's, it's looking bleak for them uh, at the moment. Uh, City, uh, I mean, when it was made, we knew City were going to go through. It was such an easy group. I think City probably had the easiest of the four of the four groups. They probably had the easiest of it. And this keeps happening every season. So, you know, it's not even a surprise anymore. So, yeah, they just posted through. And like I said, I think everybody else, you know, uh, everything else, everybody else and everything else is conspiring to make it difficult for uh, Liverpool to retain the Premier League title. But the teams themselves were supposed to do it. They can't do it. I mean, City have got help from Liverpool. In Liverpool, have got injuries. They've, you know, they're now lost to Atlanta, so they've got another game. If they won this one, they probably were through. But now they've got another game that they'll probably have to think about uh, a little bit. So they've got that, and then they've got uh, you know they, they've got that seven-two drubbing. They've got uh, all sorts of issues. And Manchester City get given an easy Champions League group. Uh, and yet they're still, you know, 13. They're the close. They are on paper the closest challenges to Liverpool, and they're still faltering because they are—they're getting all these advantages, but they're not able to capitalize on them for whatever reason. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's just bad. It's, people just keep giving us hope, and, and nobody else is capitalizing on it. But, uh, but yeah, but Liverpool—I uh, mean, City are, are through to the knockout stages. Uh, they can probably finish first if they can get the draw with Porto. If they can draw with Porto, they will finish top of the table. So that is how things stand at the moment. Uh, Spoiler alert, they'll, they'll finish top of the table. They will finish top of the table. They're not that bad. 
in Europe at least. It's interesting how uh, Manchester City and Barcelona both are struggling in the league, but they are perfect in Europe. And I wonder what, what the reasoning for that is, but that's where Manchester City are at. Uh, talking about uh, Barcelona, we're going to come to yesterday's games. We'll start with Barcelona since we spoke about them. They beat uh, Dynamo Kiev for one, so they have uh, also qualified uh, uh, for the knockout rounds. Uh, and as of Juventus, because they also won their game against Ferencuaros, so they are both now through to the knockout stages. As to no one's surprise, they've done it. It's probably probably some people might have expected it to go another game, maybe, maybe not, but they've qualified, and now those two will probably will play each other for top spot in the group. That's that's what's left for those two teams to decide. That I think will be the last match day, though. It won't be not won't be the next match day. It will be the last match day when those two teams will play each other for that for that top spot supremacy, maybe. Uh, depends on what happens in the next games. You never know with Juventus. Uh, but Barcelona are doing really well in Europe, at least. They've got a lot of goals. They've scored uh, 13 goals and only conceded two in the, and from four games. So they've been really, really good in Europe so far. I mean, the, le- the level is not that great, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Juventus this season and the Juventus that was there the last few seasons, they don't look that good, to be honest. They were lucky to get a win against uh, against Ferencuaros. Uh, I mean, you know, that group is not, it's not, it's not as tough as it should be. It's not Dynamo Kiev and Quaro. It's not really the kind of competition that they expect. Same in Manchester City as well. You know, Porto, Olympiacos, Marseille, not exactly the level that, uh, you know, not, not exactly the level that uh, of teams that would test Manchester City. So it's quite easy for these teams to get through. I, I, I do expect Juventus to get them a fight when they meet. Uh, I believe it's at the, uh, in Juventus. I believe that game is a, is a home game for Juventus. So there might be some tests and Ronaldo will hopefully be available for that one. So there might be a test there, but I mean, otherwise it just seems it seems like fairly straightforward routine. So, but but nonetheless, congratulations to Barcelona for that win, and congratulations to Juventus as well, who also struggling. Juventus is struggling mightily, and I, I, I mean, they've got to be careful because uh, this this season is looking tough for them in Serie A, and if they keep up this level, they're not going to retain that title. So they will need to up it up it a little bit. They already don't look like they can win the Champions League, which is kind of sad, but it just looks like again, it looks like. With Juventus, it looks like something's missing. There's always something missing, one key component missing that can knit it all together. And I don't know what it is um, and where that will come from, but it's not it's not there right now. And they need that. And that they need to get Debala back in form as well as soon as possible. They need to find out something that can help him because uh, he's struggling. He's struggling mightily. But, uh, but I mean, at least for now, the good news is both of them don't have to worry as much about the Champions League. They can start thinking about... Uh, you know, the league, they can focus a little bit more on the league because the Champions League, for most intense, is done. They still have one decide who's going to go top. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, that isn't necessarily a big advantage um, as such. Uh, group, uh, we're going to go on to Group E. We'll start with Group E. We'll go a little bit in alphabetical. I know I'm all the place here. Uh, Chelsea and Sevilla through as well. 10 points each. They both beat Sevilla and Krasnodar. Uh, sorry, no, uh, Chelsea. They beat uh, Krasnodar and Ven. Uh, those two will now probably play it out for who's going to play in the Europa. That's good news for all Europa League fans because that means Sevilla are not going to be in the Europa League. I think that now makes it an open field competition of who's going to win the Europa League because I mean Sevilla were there, you're just like, oh, well, Sevilla going to win it. But uh, Sevilla are now through to the knockout stages as are Chelsea and uh, Chelsea and Sevilla will play. Uh, that's, uh, that, that is the next game? Yeah, I believe that's the next game when those two will play each other and that will probably determine who goes top of the table, who goes top of that table, who finishes on top and goes through as group winners. So that's what to look forward to. Again, I, I, I mean, this, I mean, fairly, fairly routine uh, group as well. I, I think this is probably the second easiest group uh, of the English teams. I, I think Sevilla are tough not to crack, but, you know, you're looking at uh, 
uh, Ren and uh, Krasnodar, that's not exactly a very, very elite competition there. So, I mean, fairly, fairly easy group there as well. I think Liverpool's group was probably the second toughest of the lot. Uh, we all know what the group then we, we all know which one was the toughest, and that's because it was anointed as a group of death. So, um, it was Manchester United. But yeah, I mean, it was a good Chelsea had done well to get through. I think if they win that next game or they get a score draw, uh, then more or less likely they will go through if they can win the last game. So, for them, I think the focus will be to try and win the next game so they don't have to worry about uh, then the final game. They can probably rest everybody and, and, and you know, play the youngsters or whatever and get a, get a week off. So, they'll have to think about that, although the next game is against Spurs. So that's a big title. That's a title contending game now. I don't think it's a title. It's not a dot title clash or whatever, but but it's a clash for who's going to be challenging Liverpool for the title. Who's going to get close? Or not challenging, who's going to get closest to Liverpool this season? I think that's that's the clash. So, uh, you know, they've got to think about that as well. So it will be a little bit of juggling and rotating that will need to be done. But uh, overall, it's a good result for Chelsea. It's good to get that business sorted. Like it is, they know they're not going out of the Champions League. They know they're going to qualify. And so they can now start focusing a little bit more on the league as well. So it's, it's a good result uh, in that sense for Chelsea. And uh, congratulations to them and to Sevilla as well for qualifying. And uh, Group F, which is uh, probably the closest of the groups, which is probably the, I mean, you, uh, the closest probably right now is the Real, is Group B with Mönchengladbach, Real Madrid, Shakhtar and Inter. But that wasn't expected to be close and not expected to go the way that it did. But I think everybody expected Group F to be very tight and it is. Um, it is sort of tight at the moment. Uh, Dortmund and Lazio are pulling a bit clear, nine and eight points. Uh, but Club Bruges are, not, are still in it, four points. They still have a chance, uh, particularly since Dortmund and Lazio still have to play each other. So this, that game is still left to come. Uh, and uh, Dortmund still have to play Zenit as well. So maybe there's a chance for Bruges if they can beat Zenit. Uh, there might be some hope there, depending on what happens in the other game. But uh, at the moment, at the moment, it looks like it's fairly going to be fairly straightforward. Uh, for Dortmund and Lazio to go through to the next round. But, you know, stranger things happen. We'll see what happens. But uh, those two are starting to pull away. I mean, Erling Haaland, what a player. I, I only saw the highlights of that game, but uh, admittedly, but he's a great, he's an amazing, amazing player. I mean, you, he's, he reminds you so much of so many different players, but he's got that instinct. He's got Ruud van Nistelrooy's instincts. He's got, uh, you know, he's got that movement that... Uh, uh, that many top strikers have had. That, you know, he reminds you of Ruben Nisola with the way he finishes because I've never seen any, I've, I've, never, I've never really seen uh, too many better strike, you know, players who could, you know, uh, score goals than the Fox in the Box. I'm sure David Trezeguet in his prime was also very similar uh, to that sort of player, though I didn't watch him in his prime, but uh, very similar to that. And, and someone who can just step in and he can get a goal for you from out of nowhere, really. That's that's the kind of player you, you'd want in your team. And he's an amazing, amazing player. I think it was good for Jaden Sancho as well to get a goal. Uh, through a free kick. I think he needs that. He's been pretty poor this season. So he also got an assist, by the way, for the Holland goal, for the first Holland goal. So he'll be happy with that. Um, with, with a few, uh, you know, stats pads there uh, for him. But uh, it was a good win for Dortmund. And Dortmund still have issues defensively, though. That's the problem. Dortmund still have issues defensively. And that needs to be sorted because they gave too, too many chances uh, in the last game. And you don't want to do that, especially against a team of Brooks caliber. You can only imagine what happened with another team. So you don't want to give away too many chances. Uh, when you're when you're in that, so that's 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 what holds Dortmund back from competing for trophies is that defense because they were a fantastic, phenomenal attack. But uh, as good as Haaland is, as good as Sancho is, you can't expect them to keep get scoring two, three goals every game. You can't. That just doesn't happen, right? There will be games, and then they'll draw blanks, or they'll get a goal or two goals, and then you've got to rely on that defense to be able to keep a clean sheet or to you know keep it down to one. And at the moment, they just don't look like they can. So that's that's something that they will have to uh, tighten up at the back. But that's been an issue 
uh, for years now for Dortmund. So I don't know what the solution is. I have no idea, but uh, they'll need to think of something. Uh, they want to go deep in this competition for sure. Uh, on that note, I think we'll come to the final group now, Group G and, uh, sorry, Group H actually, Group G, we've already covered that one with Barcelona and Juventus. Group H and it's tight and it's a very, very in interesting group. I think you can probably now say that Istanbul are done uh, for this uh, campaign. I think their campaign is, is over. You would say that, um, you know, it could change when they play Leipzig, they could probably get a result there. But at the moment, it looks like their campaign is done. And so it's between Man United, PSG and, uh, and, and Leipzig. The issue is, as I said, is that if United gifted those three points to Istanbul, if they had taken those three points, they would be on 12 points. And that more or less would have been that. They would have then qualified because even if Leipzig had won both their games, because United got five, put five past them, it would have been very difficult for Leipzig to qualify unless they scored five goals. And so, you know, they would have more or less done in the, because of, because in case of a tie, head-to-head -head results count. So, you, you know, the, that result, the final result that they've got really helps them a lot. Uh, again, in a, in a head to head tie with, uh, with Leipzig. And those two away goals that they've got against uh, PSG means that a 1 0 win for PSG against United would still not have been enough. They would still have been above PSG on head to head as well. So they would have got the head to head advantage on both. Now, the issue is because they are nine points, but they played both their games against Istanbul, you would expect and you would back PSG and Leipzig to pick up three points against Istanbul. So that puts them level on nine points each. Uh, and then United. Uh, I, they need to get at least a point from one of the other two games so that then they have a better head-to-head -head record against whichever team finishes, uh, you know, on 10 points, which will either be Leipzig or PSG. If they draw with both, they'll finish top, as we know. So they need one more draw, though. Do you need one more point from one of those two games to confirm their spot at the top of the, at the top of the table? And not in the top of the table, but at the in the knockout stages and they wouldn't and th the irony is they wouldn't have needed to do that if they had beaten uh, Istanbul they wouldn't have needed to do that but uh, anyway there's there's things to look forward to for the next game and um, at the moment United uh, people might see United are in the driving seat they're not I think next I think the next game is going to be critical because PSG they are in a little bit of a spot of bother I mean they didn't look very convincing in their one little win over Leipzig it was an 11th minute penalty for Neymar and then it pretty much held on but having that def defensive solidity will actually help them. The fact that they kept Leipzig out is going to benefit them a lot uh, going into the game against United. Because um, if you can if you can keep uh, a defensive shape against United, they end getting through. So then you know it's down to them scoring, and that will be a key component of that. I think the game uh, between United and Istanbul was I mean it was uh, it was a good game, and a lot of people are talking about it. And Bruno Fernandes. I mean, it's nothing new. Bruno Fernandes is carrying Manchester United. It's quite obvious that he is. I think this game also showed us that um, it uh, how much United need those two holding midfielders in front of the back four. Because, I mean, again, these are points that people have been making. Maguire and Lindelof just don't look solid at all. Um, and again, the issue there that I feel is that Lindelof is better than Maguire. I think a lot of times, you know, the, the thing that's been talked about was Maguire and Twanzibi. The problem now is that Lindelof is a better defender than Maguire. I think this is objectively true. I don't think anybody can deny it. If you're looking for a, a defender between the two, you know, comparing the relative strengths and attributes, Maguire is a better defender than, uh, sorry, Lendelof is a better defender than Maguire. The issue is Maguire costs 80 million pounds and he's the captain, so you can't drop him, right? You can't drop your 85 million pounds, pounds whatever he co cost them. You can't drop him. So you got to play, you can't drop Lendelof because he's the better defender. So what different message does that send? And you can't drop Maguire because he's the captain and, you know, 85 million pounds. So you're essentially stuck with those two because you don't want to upset the apple cart. And that's why even though Tuan Zibi is a better option than one of those two, 
he won't get in the side because uh, you know of, of these issues and then because you have to play those two you've got to play two holding midfielders in front of them against teams that are going to be rapid and are going to really attack you uh, what i did feel however was um, there was a lot of talk in the second half where they you know made changes and that the team got overrun it was because he moved to a 4-4-2 in the second half once they made the substitutions it was marcial cavani dan james and greenwood playing up you know playing together in a, in a front four so it was 4-4-2 essentially and i mean as much as marcial you, you you explain to him you know what you're going to be that number 10 almost and you're going to have to track back he's not going to give you what bruno gives you in terms of tracking back he can't he's a striker he can't so you know there was obviously going to be a case where bishik the uh, istanbul took over yeah, i was going to say basakshir here but yeah it came out as besiktas but istanbul took over the the uh, midfield they were always going to take over the midfield there and uh, fred you know this is how he can't do the job of two midfielders and van der beek obviously is not a cdm so that was an issue and so that's why he brought on matic and you know then that showed up the midfield a little bit it was a good goal for dan james as well but that, i mean i don't think it was an issue of having two uh, cdms i think the issue was that he was playing with a 442 but against teams that are Istanbul still got quite a few opportunities in that first half and they still got a few opportunities in the second half even when it was a 4231 so that was against Istanbul which is not which are who are quite limited offensively so against better teams he's going to have to go with two cdms uh, mctominay or fred you know mctominay and fred or matic they, those three between those three two out of those three have to start and that's where the issue is that's why he can't play donny van de beek as a central midfielder that's why he can't uh, you know pick uh, paul pogba because that doesn't offer it and maybe van der beek can play as a right midfielder maybe we'll see if that happens uh, but uh, you know that that's that's the issue right now the balance issue is because of having to play lindelof and uh, maguire because you can't drop one of them and uh, then you know you've got to play a midfield that requires a little uh, to give the protection to the back four and so then you lose out on creativity so yeah it's, it's a whole cycle right and uh, maybe there needs to be a little bit more uh, ambition maybe there needs to be a little bit more gumption shown by ali but uh, we don't know about that i mean they don't know if that's if that's an option right now and aran van bissaka might be injured so twanzi be might come in for that for him anyway for his right back because he has played there before so he might come in might be brandon williams might be timothy for supens of the next game uh, we shall see but there's some big games coming up next week in the champions league and i think the biggest one of them all right now in terms of positions probably psg manchester united i think that is a massive massive game at this point that uh, that they need to focus that they definitely need to focus on i'm just going to open this up here for for me to look at so i can uh, make sure i've got the right games i think i have a fair idea of the games that are happening next next week but i mean that's a massive game the pianyard against psg because united really should not be in this position but now they're going to need to pick up a draw and psg they beat them last time at old trafford a lot of people forget that because of what happened afterwards in paris but they did beat them 2-0 uh, united will not have extra to anzebi so they're going to and they won't have luke shaw as well most likely so they're going to have to think about whether if they're going to go with a back five who's going to be that third defender uh, that's going to be the key, that's going to be one of the key questions to ask and if they're going to go with a back four and a two then um, you know then you've got to make that decision of uh, who's going to play particularly van bissaka is injured how do you set up where, where they can counter uh, psg's strength so that's going to be key so i think psg are in a good position at this point depending on the extent of van bissaka's injury and depending on what happens I think they are in a good position. I think they're much better position than they were two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and uh, they could very well come out of this game with a win because uh, that's Manchester United. They can lose to anyone on any given day. Uh, the other, I think, uh, the other big game will probably be Dortmund Lazio. I think that will go a long way in determining uh, who finishes top, and I, and that and that's going to be important as well because if Lazio, whichever team loses and if Brugge win, 
then they start getting into range for Bruges to try and uh, try and capitalize. And then Bruges will hope that Lazio lose, so that then you know when they take on uh, Lazio, there's an opportunity for them to to qualify ahead of them because then Leicester is in their own hands. So they'll be hoping for a Lazio uh, uh, defeat if they can uh, if they can get that. But uh, it's a big big game as well, and um, there's not a lot. Obviously, Sevilla, Chelsea will determine probably determine who finishes top the table so that will be another important game and then Liverpool Ajax uh, that's going to be massive as well because um, again that would, I mean Ajax will probably feel bad to, because Liverpool played their second stringers today and they lost I think that's an important one Liverpool Ajax I think we haven't touched on that a lot but he played his second a lot of people say he played his uh, B team and he did play a B team defense because he had Reese Williams Nico Williams and uh, Simikas who started in in defense uh, so I mean it was a very very second rate defense that he had second you know second choice defense that he had and they conceded two goals. I don't think they'll meet teams at the level of Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta, Atlanta offensively, offensively Atlanta are much better than, I would say 90% of the, uh, or not even 90%, yeah, 90% of the Premier League. They're better than 90% of the Premier League offensively. Their issues are in defense, but when it comes to going forward, they're they're a very, very good team. So I don't think uh, Liverpool will meet teams of that caliber in the Premier League that often. Uh, you could probably count on one hand, uh, maybe one finger, maybe the number of teams offensively that are better. I think only Liverpool and uh, sorry, Tottenham and Chelsea probably are the only teams at the moment that are offensively that good as Atlanta Atlanta are. I don't think there's any other team that's that good offensively. So I don't think Liverpool have much to worry about. Uh, the issue, though, is the fact that there is a lack of depth in, in defensive areas at the moment. Uh, if they were going to face big teams, but I mean, that's not going to be, I don't, I don't see, I don't see, I think they always have these off results. They lost to Napoli last season as well, uh, if you recall. So they, they get these results from time to time in Europe, but it really doesn't affect them much in, in, in England. I mean, the Premier League this season is so average that I honestly, you know, these results, you don't, you can't really put much stock in them, but it might be a, a good wake up call for them for the next game against Ajax and um, they might be motivated, but that's the issue for Ajax now because Liverpool are pretty practically gifted three points to Atlanta. And that makes the next game important because if Liverpool beat Ajax, then you know that puts uh, Atlanta in pole position to qualify for the knockout stages. But that we'll have to keep an eye on that. That's a big game. And then the other two big games that will be back to back will be Shakhtar Donetsk against Real Madrid and Mönchengladbach against Inter Milan because that's going to go a long way in determining who's going to finish uh, top of the of the table there. Because or in fact, who's going to go through the knockout stages? Mönchengladbach only in the draw against Inter Milan. They get the draw from Inter Milan, they're through. Uh, and uh, Real Madrid, if they beat Shakhtar, then they're through as well. So there's there's uh, you know there's a lot at the moment that uh, there's a lot to play for and it's unnecessarily tight, I think, from Real Madrid and Inter Milan's perspective. But uh, it's good for the neutrals. It's a good watch for the neutrals. But either way, it, it is, it's not looking very good for Inter Milan at the moment. But if they beat Mönchengladbach, then maybe they've got something uh, they had to, to you know to work with and then you know maybe and maybe there will be a bit of pressure on Gladbach in the final game against Real Madrid because uh, you know it's it's a, it's a pressure game whenever you play Real Madrid though um, and Real Madrid keep in mind that they'll need they'll need to beat uh, they will need to win the next few games if they want to qualify top of the table so for them it's going to be of course important as well to get uh, wins from both those games so anyway that's my preview for. Uh, for today and uh, you know a little bit of a preview actually not a preview it's a review show for today and yesterday and then a bit of a preview for what's to come next week I mean we still got Premier League uh, and the domestic uh, La Liga and domestic action coming out coming your way this weekend so we still gotta have games in between so a lot can change between now and next week but it's shaping up to be a very very uh, interesting and exciting uh, around match day five 
uh, in some regards, I mean, in some cases, there are lots of dead robbers there as well. But in some regards, it's a very, very exciting uh, round of action to come. Uh, another game also that I want to talk about is actually Bayern, Atletico Bayern, and Lokomotiv Moscow going to play Salzburg. So if Lokomotiv beat uh, Salzburg um, and Atletico Madrid don't, then there will be a little bit of concern there for Atletico, maybe considering that uh, you know they'll be they'll be third then. I mean, you know, Lokomotiv still have to play uh, Bayern Munich, so it's still there's still a lot lot for Lokomotiv to do. They want to qualify, but uh, that game Atletico Bayern will be interesting. Uh, but anyway, thank you for joining me today. I uh, appreciate uh, all of you guys who watched this uh, video. Please remember to smash a like if you enjoyed our uh, condensed Champions League uh, roundup. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different than we, than we do normally. Um, and also, please remember to like, share, and subs uh, to also subscribe to this channel if you're new. We, let's see how quickly we can get to 120. We're only two subscribers short of 120. So let's see how soon we can get there. So please do subscribe if you're new uh, and uh, you know support us that way. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode, most likely. We're going to talk about La Liga, and we're going to talk about uh, Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad's chances uh, this season. Uh, we're gonna try to, it's going to be a perspective uh, video, but we'll, we'll try to do our best that we can in terms of seeing what the chances are. But uh, that's for tomorrow. Uh, I hope, you know, for everyone whose teams have won uh, during this match day uh, in the Champions League, enjoy, uh, congratulations to all of you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the matches, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We don't do Europa League until we get to knock our stages. Uh, you know, it's not that important. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I like the Europa League. I actually like the Europa League. But there's too much, too much going on in the Europa League to keep track of. So we'll leave that for now. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. But enjoy your evening or morning, whatever time you're watching this. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.